Welcome to the Danny Palmer Show. Does it sound cool if I say it like that? Oh, yeah. Welcome. Why I can't even say this is the Danny Palmer Show because you're going to use it for yours, too. Welcome. This is yeah. the Danny Palmer Show and Last Exit to Brooklyn with your co-hosts, Tom Danny McCaffrey Palmer and... And Tom McCaffrey. How's it going? <laughs> Good, you. Did we just have a power <laughs> struggle so there? so far. Just yeah. Oh, that was a very... That wasn't a, a, a peaceful transition of power. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, how you doing? Are you excited about uh, the new president? I'm very excited about this. Yeah, man, this new chapter in our fucking country. Like, it's time for some new blood. You know? Yeah. No, it's. I mean, I think the. I th- I was saying the 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 longer, <laughs> the longer you're away from it, even though it's been what like three hours. <laughs> no, it's like an abusive relationship. Like the longer you're out of it, the more you look back and it. You, you kind of see how horrifying it was. Um, I think when we were living through it, it seemed it was horrifying, but it was like you kind of had to. I don't know. I mean, it's, you know, everyone kind of it became a joke like, oh, 2020 is so bad. But I mean, it's like in, it was insane. I mean, it still is. It's not like everything got better, but. Yeah, it's know, not the instantly fixed. And, you know, I don't know. Just. Well, today's January 21st and today, yesterday was the most deaths in the pandemic. Yeah. So far. So it's that's like every day. It's like the, it's not like a fun milestone. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, did, did you hear like uh, Anthony Fauci was, was at a press conference and he was basically like, oh, yeah, I couldn't say anything while Trump was president. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, now science can talk. Well, he's basically, I couldn't, I mean, it's insane. Like, you couldn't, the scientists couldn't say anything about what was going on with the pandemic. Like, you basically had someone who, like, was not only not doing anything, but was like impeding any progress from. You know what I mean? It's horrifying. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah, I think science should be dominating our uh, decisions, man. I mean, I don't believe in like religion and creationism, and like so obviously I'm on the side of science versus like. But then Jesus came down and saved everybody. Is that what the debate? Much gonna be disrespectful. I'm being disrespectful. But is that what the debate? Is that what that side is? It's, I think it's part of it. I think it's part of it. Like, no, it's God's will. I don't know. I mean, I guess it's more politics than religion. So but why do, do they not take medicine ever? Is that what? I mean, they do, but like do they don't eat or because they just it's God, what God's will. If you live, um, I mean, that's like Mennonite, maybe like Quaker type of mentality. Like, I think most like Christians are not like that today, but Christians also don't like when you interfere with like life, you know, like that's why they don't like abortion. That's why they don't like like my I have family members that aren't, they're a little wary of the vaccine because it's mRNA, which isn't like natural. So like, oh, we well, shouldn't be tampering with the genetic code. Yeah. And it's like, well, if it saves hundreds of thousands of lives, maybe we should tamper a smidge. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't understand that whole, um, I don't know. There's just, I don't know how science became like this evil thing to them. Like it, it was almost like they were just anti, you know, figuring out things i don't know you, i'm anti-figuring like, out can things can you hear me talking yeah i just feel like your sound is going like way high and then way low I think yeah right. it is right yeah maybe just don't move don't move a fucking muscle tom okay <laughs> that's fine um Ooh, I, let's not can we not talk about this shit though i just yeah, feel like it's so fucking let's talk about, like um, if i listen to a podcast i'm not bitching to you but if like if i listen to a podcast like a year ago and they were talking in depth about the current politics of one year ago i have zero interest yeah. in rehashing that so for me i'm not political i just feel like there's no point in talking about politics in a podcast unless you're a political political person that, yeah, and that's yeah. what your thing is 
Otherwise, you're just wasting people's time in the future. No, am I no. wrong? Believe me, I, I, I'm like sick of like. Uh, but it's it's hard to not follow it. Cause right, you've been stuck inside, and like what you know, it's hard that's to true. Not, you know, and I, I don't know. I feel like I'm I, I still feel like I'm quarantining. I, I guess I'm not like completely, but I feel like I am because I don't really nothing's really there's nothing to do really. You know what I mean? So, like, can you? So we're not going to talk on the air about you all the underground parties you've been going to in New York. Yeah. Uh, yeah, where are they? Have you been going out? I mean, what? <laughs> no, just to like, uh, like Sunday, I went to um, a bar on like West 35th Street to watch the Browns play the Chiefs in the playoffs. And then we had, like, it was nice. They had like these uh, patio porch set up and we had heaters and everybody was like, you know, distanced and having a great time and it wasn't too cold and it was fucking great, man. Yeah, but I mean, are bars like even open? No, yeah, they, they are. are. But like outside. Bars and gyms are open in New York City. Okay, but. But you can't go into the bars. Right. You can go into pay, but you can't like hang in there. So you just, there's like an outdoor part? Yeah. There's oh, like okay. scaffolding and like tents and Other stuff. Pe- yeah. I guess I've gone by bars and stuff. Yeah. When we stop recording, I'll show you a video that I took of like the scene. It was like really? crazy. So yeah. do you go to bars like every night? <laughs> Seven nights a week. I'm at bars during a <laughs> pandemic. Have you done show? Have you been doing shows? No. I, right? No. I did like some over the summer and like Queens and. No, so what's going it. on? Like, I feel like th- oh, and Lori's side too. This whole thing is like, sh- I feel like this whole thing is like slowly shifting everyone's life. I know because stand up is like pretty much dead. So like that was like a big part of a lot of our lives, you know, like our social life, definitely, right? Right. And I- then people have like kind of moved, and I feel like it was seeming like it was going to be temporary, but I think people are just kind of like, well, I guess I'm living here now, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> I feel like it's. I mean. I agree, but I think it's going to get much better in the spring. I already feel like around the streets of New York, what is this, January 21st, there's more people now than there were like a couple weeks ago. Like, I feel like people really? are coming back. My gym is like not crowded, but there's a fair amount of people there. There's traffic. Like, really? It's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. So, are people just not, I mean, I guess people are wearing masks, but they're just not worrying about it as much or like. I think they're just trying to live their lives in a safe way for the most part. You know? Yeah, I don't. It's funny. I, I mean, I do go out a little bit, but not like a lot. So, where do you go? Uh, I don't. Know. I've been like you know, kind of seeing someone, so like I'll hang out with them, and then um. Oh yeah, what's her name? First and last date of birth. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Wait, can you like hear? I feel like my thing isn't very high. No, you're good. We're looking yeah. at the recording of the track. Okay, and all right. Um, it looks like a seismograph. Uh, yeah, I don't know. We just, you know, I've been hanging, we've been hanging out and then, um, not doing much. Cause it's like, I don't really, like, you'll go to a restaurant or something and at, the, at 10 you have to leave, you know? Right. Right. Cause even bars that are open, they close at like 11, right? I think everything in New York city has to close at 10 PM. So, okay. So that's what I'm talking about. So yeah. you can go out, but not real. I mean, yeah. That's why day drinking is now the move. I it's like the true. only move, but I don't like. I don't like to day drink. Do you like to day drink? I don't. You... No, I don't drink anymore. So yeah, you just cut that out. That's a very healthy choice you made that I'll never make. You won't ever. I, I mean, maybe at some point, but I don't plan on it. But I, I feel like I'm. I'm only going to get older. Yeah. I like to drink on the weekends. I don't drink during the week. I have like one or two. Like yeah. What you know? Am I going to have? Fun weekends when I'm 75 or when I'm 45? Uh, 45. So, no, you're right. You're right. You know? but they were getting less fun for me. Um, Why? Uh, I don't know. I just like, it was just affected. I was just very, my it just affected me. My hangovers were bad and yeah. it just wasn't fun. You're, you're mentally fragile and I'm mentally strong, so it's different. <laughs> yeah, that's probably what I, I probably am <laughs> mentally fragile. I feel like I am fragile. No, I'm not. 
You're not fragile. No, but I think I, anyway, um, it but, just got harder to drink. And it was like wearing me out. I just couldn't do it anymore. Um, it's been a while. It's been over a year. And uh, Was that a conscious decision you made? Or did it yeah, just kind of happen? Yeah, and then, but But even when I did drink, I didn't like day drinking because I would get like hung over and tired early. So it was weird. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. Alcohol just come like kind of maybe depressed. It's a tough end. drug, man. It it definitely tires you too. It's also like it's a lot worse than I think people people act like it's not bad for you. It's bad. Oh, it's bad. It is. It's really bad for your body. Yeah. Like people, I think because it's legal, people are like, oh, whatever. It's up, but no, it's pretty bad. Yeah, that's why the weed is the way to go. My buddy in Portland is is shipping me a bunch of fucking good legal bud from Portland, dude. Oh, it's coming? Yeah. Is it who I think it is? Yeah. All right. Ken GD. Hi, Daddy. <laughs> no, I, I don't think Benny D cares if we say that he sent me weed. I don't think so either. <laughs> He's not going to give a shit. I don't think he listens to this. <laughs> yeah. um, he does sometimes. I know the FBI listens to this. Yeah, the feds are checking in. You want another, uh, another beverage no, no, there? No, I'm good. But, um, so... Th- was there anything you want? Uh, one thing I wanted to talk about is I just saw the uh, Night Stalker documentary. Do you know that story? No, but can you walk us through it on Netflix? Right? Have you never heard of the Night Stalker? Not no, no. I mean, maybe vaguely, but um, it was in the eighties. Uh, this guy, it was in L.A. and like San Francisco, and it was just a serial killer, crazy guy. Um, and I think he wait. What's up- the story? Like, what's the can you give me like a synopsis, brief synopsis, Tom? Don't worry. Uh, just he was crazy and killed a bunch of people. <laughs> he was just this like crazy guy, and he like went on a spree mainly for like a, a little over eighty four and eighty five, and just he would like um, walk into he would break into people's houses or just walk in. Like a lot of people, I like, guess, had their doors unlocked, and he would just go in and kill them. And then like he would also them? like, yeah, he would shoot them. But it was weird because he was like a devil worshiper. So he'd like start leaving like pentagrams and, um, and watching it is interesting because it's just like, you know, back in the day, they just had no way to catch anyone ever. So <laughs> what do you mean? They had police detectives, right? No, but they didn't have DNA or it was just like so easy to like get away with like killing people for a long time. There weren't um, like scientific methods to evaluate blood. Stains yeah, yeah, like they that. didn't have any of that. It would be like, oh, hopefully he'll do it again and like drop <laughs> his license. Hopefully that was literally like what their like strategy was to find serial killers. Just crossing their finger that killers drop their <laughs> well, license. Even in the thing, they'd be like, <laughs> well, Fuck, I dropped my license. They'd be like, well, we didn't I didn't want anyone to die, but I felt like we needed him to keep doing it to like get more clues because they kept finding shoe prints like in blood and in like the dirt, and it was in a Via shoe. Via? Avia. Is that a brand? Do you remember that brand? A Via? Oh, A V I A. Yeah, I don't know if they're around anymore. And sounds vaguely familiar. They kept seeing it. And they and it was in a, and they they contacted the Avia like manufacturer, and he was like, "Oh, this is a specific." Soul. They couldn't just go to a, a store and look at it. The, they had to contact the manufacturer. <laughs> well, I think how about just did, stop by a shoe store? They did, but they they wanted to know how. I think they wanted to know like how many were made of that specific one. Uh, like this is what they had to do. Back Jesus, then. that sounds like a long slog to the truth, bro. But what they, you know, what they were able to do is they were able to narrow it down to like that type of shoe that was sold and how many were like sold in LA and they narrowed this sh- shoe down to one pair in LA. How the fuck did they do that? Because they knew they like, I don't know, but they were, cause it was a very unique 
model of the shoe. Oh, it's like Yeezys or where there's like a limited edition or something? I don't know, like the bottom of the shoe. I, think, I don't know, that's why they contacted the man. So then, but they, they knew it was only one pair had been sold, probably, probably to him, but they had no way to like link it to him. And um, so he just, and then he would, you know, he would, I don't want to get it, you know, he would also like. <laughs> this podcast is just kids. us recounting a documentary. What? Well, so it's like a horrible, like, he's kind of one of the most notorious because he, he was really brutal. I mean, I know they're all brutal, but he would kill like old people and he, he would like kidnap kids and like, Jesus. you know, molest them. And th- But he would always like let them go. Isn't that weird? The kids? Yeah. So he would go and murder these like adults, but then like he would molest kids, but let them go. And oh, so they can just live with that trauma for the rest of their lives? Yeah. Like they interview one of them, this girl who was like six. Oh my God. Dude, I, I'm, ne- you know what? I'm glad you're telling me about this because I'm never going to watch it. Okay. I hate shit like that, bro. So. Why do you want to watch the watch that? Watch that. Watch that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, something really terrible happened. Oh, let's, let's watch a edited, it's like sol- curated I view of it. I didn't know he molested kid. I, I just thought he was like a murderer. I don't know. Well, this is one thing I was going to say about it is like, first of all, Night Stalker is what the media came up with to call him. And I hate that the media and people, whenever they always name the serial killer. Most of the time, but they always give them like a cool name, which just makes them like glamorizes them. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. The like they gave him like Ooh, a cool name, and I'm sure he's like, oh, I'm the knight. Like, why don't they give him like a shitty name that he's like embarrassed by? Like, all right, the uh, shit is pants killer <laughs> struck again. You like the uh, he just turns himself in the next day. Yeah. The half Fuck inch you, man. Penis, uh, w- queer. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> it's not queer. I know something. The half inch penis weirdo. With a smell, with smelly balls, struck again. Like what? <laughs> Shut up! I do not have a small penis. He just comes down to clarify that, and then they yeah, put him yeah. in prison for the rest of his life. Yeah, but it annoys me. They always give them cool, like Jack the Ripper. You know, they always give him like a cool name: Night Stalker, Boston Strangler. Uh... Oh, like I'm, I'm the top strangler in all of Boston. Yeah, exactly. You're the only one, huh? Well, Only there's plenty of stranglers in this neck of the woods. Yeah. Like, yeah. No, that's that's shitty. You're strangler. right. Yeah, it's annoying. I was that they should give them. You know, they should embarrass them because I'm sure he loved. That was the thing too. So another thing about it is like, uh, it, it's kind of you know the reason it's kind of one thing that's dark about it is like, um, I feel like my voice isn't recording. But it's fine. That actually, I get nervous about it too, but it okay. ends up being completely fine. So, in, t- in fact, when I tell people to hold the mic closer, I can't even tell when I'm re-listening to it, oh, okay. and then I feel like I've wasted the audience's time by saying it. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, I'm glad I keep saying it in, in the episode. No, so, um, <laughs> also, when you ask me why I watch it, that's kind of an aspect of it, because he kind of became like a celebrity almost, and that's what happens to a lot of these. It's a, it's a fine line. You know, it's weird, because these documentaries are almost like borderline... Like glory, you know, like the serial killer would love that they did this. Yeah, they made a movie about them. my life's work. That's why they stopped publishing the names of like school shooters, right? So that they would. Oh, did they start doing that? Yeah, oh, good. They sh- so like this guy, he had or pictures. Groupies. I think they still have to do the name. They don't show pictures anymore. What? They always have like these women that are obsessed with them. Like this guy had like groupies that would show up to court, like send him like naked pictures of themselves. And he got married in jail, and um, and she broke up with him, I guess, because she found out he was like had other girlfriends. 
And they don't explain how, how he's like cheat on your girlfriend on death row, <laughs> right? With other women, it's like Stephen Hawking. Like, well, how are you doing this? The other thing that's funny is like, I mean, was she really shocked when she found out that the Night Stalker <laughs> wasn't being faithful? <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe it. You know that guy I married, Night Stalker. You mean the one who killed everyone? Yeah, yeah, that guy. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, he's been seeing someone behind my back. He's got some ethical lapses. What the fuck? I thought he had some integrity, this Night Stalker guy. Dude, I hope you're going to use this for material when society resumes. That's funny right there. You have right? two jokes already. That... Yeah, that's hilarious. Yeah, Dude, it's funny because I, I was watching, I re rewatched Goodfellas when I didn't realize that there's so much that I didn't remember almost anything. It was almost like watching a, a new movie. I'll give you another drink. But at the very end, the last scene, they just cut to like, just it's not related to the scene. They just cut to Joe Pesci unloading a gun in slow motion and it's like how is this not glamorizing murder it's clearly glamorizing murder yeah that's the fine that's the thing about it though that you know with with him even at that point calling him the night stalker and all the news coverage and the women you know what i mean like it is unfortunately there is a side of humanity that's fascinated by this and the other thing that's funny is like, you know, people are like, yeah, well, you know, he was like a bad boy, you know, and it's like, you know what, that, you know, someone who murders people, that's not being a bad boy. Like a bad boy is a guy who like, you know, yells at his boss. You know? Yeah, like James Dean or something. Yeah. He's not a guy who like shoots people in the neck. I mean, that's not a bad boy. No, that's, that's, that's an psychopath. evil person. Yeah. Yeah. It's like being like, oh, Satan is like a bad boy. <laughs> He's a real troublemaker. Um, yeah, man. So that's kind of what fascinated me about it. How, um, and I guess he, yeah, he was a Satanist. And uh, what is, he, I do? What does that even? So, how do you worship? Why do you even want to be in with Satan? Like, what? Yeah, and how do you how worship something awful? that isn't real? Like, you just they're, 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 it's just like with Christianity or like with any major religion that depends on a historical figure and exaggerates the truth, right? You just make up yeah. facts about this Satan character, and then you just you're basically worshiping a myth. Yeah, and you know what I was thinking? I you know I'm not like defending you know Satanism, but this guy killed people, and a lot of it was like, oh, I'm you know, I'm Satan's servant. Like he was doing it kind of for the devil, I guess. <laughs> well, maybe he is a good guy then. No, no, but I'm saying like, and everyone's like, you're that's so horrible, you're horrible. But I feel like a lot like what's the difference between being like, oh, I'm killing people for Satan? But I feel like a lot of people who are Christian and are in other religions do awful things in like the, the crusades their religion yeah 100 so why is it, it's different because your religion is better is the good religion but they that that you know what i mean like yeah well those major religions mostly uh promulgate or like what, what's the word like advocate for good ethical behavior whereas satanism i would assume is all bad no no i know but i feel like people do a lot of terrible things in the name of their religion yeah so it's kind of like like a lot of people stormed the Capitol, not to bring it to that. Some of them were, were back. like Jesus signs. Yeah. So it's like you're going in in the name of Jesus because that does happen a lot. People like will be like, no, well, Jesus told me to I'm doing it in the name of Jesus. You know? Yeah. It's gross. It's just gross behavior. Can you, you can't yeah. you can't use the the structure like the I don't know a beef with the principles and the philosophy behind Christianity. I agree with a lot of that. Yeah. But then if you can just m manipulate and and thwart and warp yeah. what that is to 
to match your own political ends, yeah. that's where it gets evil. Totally, just as yeah. a uh, yeah, a way of um, I don't know what the word is, but basically like as an excuse to do something, you know, like well, I'm doing it because of this. But I, you know, again, I'm not defending. But I'm saying like he's kind of doing what they're doing, but just in a worse. In a, at least his is like, well, this guy's evil. He's telling me to do evil things. He's not pretending they're not horrible things. Right. I just think it's amazing that you would ever want to be part of Satanism, like. So you're aspiring to go to hell? I mean, hell always looks awful, right? <laughs> right. Like, do they get, get me uh, down there? Yeah, they're like, oh man, this is great. You're just getting raped the whole time. Like, guys, like you know, sticking a a sword up your ass for the rest <laughs> of eternity. You're like, oh, this was great. This you is just, just what I hope for. Yeah. So I, I don't know. It's it's. I wonder if they're bu- I wonder if they're bummed out that like there's no Satan. You know, like they go to heaven. Like I wonder if he went oh, to heaven. Man. He was like, "What the fuck? <laughs> this is bullshit." I was told. Yeah. Look, I have a pentagram on my hand. <laughs> well, that's why I, I was think promised uh, eternal damnation. And here I am in luxury. Here I am playing a harp in a robe. <laughs> this sucks. I'm banging Gandhi. Fuck you. Yeah. So that's, that's well. That's why I think that no matter what, all to me personally, I'm not trying to insult anybody's beliefs, but to me personally, I think all religions are just basically a waste of time and energy because it's not true. Like, why not just come up with some like principles that are grounded in the the fundamental reality that we know of? Like, hey, I should be nice to other people so that people will be nice to me. Like, the golden rule is a great, great. I'm, I'm right, all for right, the golden rule. Right. But to have this like structure of beliefs that depends on these supernatural beings this metaphysical other realm like i don't yeah that's where it gets warped because then then it's like i'm right and you're wrong and as soon as you have that perspective then you're storming the capital i'm right and you're wrong i mean there definitely is like i think there's like you know and you know good like good and bad energy i'm very like uh yeah i feel like i'm over hyper intuitive to uh or sensitive to like you're not that smart bro yeah no, like I'm, I, and it's. I think it's. There's something about me that's like hyper sensitive to like a vibe in a in a place. Are you getting the vibe that I want to fuck you? <laughs> yeah, I get that everywhere. Um, <laughs> People always want to fuck you, dude. Uh, but you're hyper sensitive to like the- L.A. Like I always have said, I didn't realize it until I was older. Like I always said that L.A. had like a darkness to it, like a dark energy that I could never really like articulate but i just always felt like there was like just a vibe there that was bad yeah and i re i i just watched a david lynch movie you know the movie mulholland drive yeah i watched that do you remember it yeah some of it i feel like that whole movie is about the dark energy of la it's david uh, lynch yeah isn't it naomi watson that yeah it's kind of one her. of her first big thing she's yeah. really good at it. but it's like a it's a very like showing like the dark like for its first show you know because david i don't know if do you like david lynch i mean i don't love him but i re- i definitely like i watched blue belt Vel- blue velvet and mohol and drive is a fucking yeah i respect his his mind and his world it's crazy yeah he's i don't crazy. Like, yeah. seek it out i'm not like gonna yeah having a fun time on a saturday night watching rewatching blue velvet with a hand <laughs> in the bushes but i respect what he does but he's very into that like uh um, an ear in the bushes not a hand what ear in the bush? Yeah, I was like hand in the bushes. What? Hand, Danny, that's not like the I right movie. I saw that. Um, I think you're watching porn. <laughs> that's a shitty porn, dude. Hand, in, no. Anyway, so he's very into that kind of the uh, going, but like he'll going behind the facade of like the bright, sunny, 
you know, ah. face of things. Like he's very like Blue Velvet is all about kind of like going underneath the surface of like Americana and like what what is presented of like the white picket fence and you know like oh, okay like clean cut kids and everyone kind of living like a happy life. That that's all kind of about like the underbelly of what's really you know like of humanity. There's like a darkness underneath. He's surfacing that darkness. That's one of his motifs. Or going, he's going beyond the facade that is being presented to people, like the the front that people are presenting. You know what I mean? Because oh, okay. you know America, especially like in like the fifties, you know, the whole American dream, like the white picket fence, like the nice house, and yeah, Ozzy and, and Harriet, like, yeah, like that. But going underneath, like what really is underlying? It's kind of what Twin Peaks was about too, because she was like the prom queen. Did I never watch watched Twin because no. uh, it's like about like this girl who gets murdered and she was the prom queen and it looks like on the surface she's like a clean cut good girl but then you they find out she was like really bad. Like David Lynch created Twin Peaks, wrote yeah, Twin Peaks. David Lynch, okay. yeah. So Mulholland Drive is like that, but with Hollywood. Okay. Where at the beginning of the movie, you probably at the beginning it starts out Naomi Watts is like new to Hollywood. She's really pretty and she's like, oh, my dreams are going to come true. Uh. And she keeps meeting people and everyone's like, you can do it. You're going to do it because that's a lot of L.A. is like, I'm going to go to L.A. I'm going to make my dreams. But then you get there and it's like a dark place, like bad things are going on. So and I feel like when I saw it, I was like, oh, I really I feel like he understood, too, what I had been never been able to like put my finger on about it like there was just bad things going on like everywhere like you know what i mean people yeah. were like doing it was just a lot of like broken people and broken dreams and doing you know prostituting yourself not just prostitutes but everyone you know like, yeah he expressed that in an artful way that you had been unable to articulate yeah and then i, I talked to someone else and they were like yeah i think they were like i think there is a dark energy to that place and i i always thought i was like a imagining it but but anyway that was my whole point i like i think there there is like good and bad energy you know what i mean and i i i don't know what that translates to in terms of like going to heaven and there's like harps or going to hell and there's like a devil guy i don't think you go to hell and there's like a guy that looks like what they've been showing us right <laughs> with horns wait how did you relate that to the good and bad energy what's that tie instead of like you know, religion where it's very like, well, this is what it is. Oh. There's God and there's this guy. And then you get there and there's this guy. Truth, right and wrong versus feeling and energy. Or like you die and then there's this guy waiting. I think there's like a thing of like, you can feel it in the world even of like, and it can be like otherworldly of like a good energy. Like good. You can tell when something's bad. Like I've been around bad energy and I'm like, something's off here. You know what I mean? Yep. hundred percent. Have you ever been? Yeah, you've been in a situation like this is oh, bad. Yeah. Like I know something oh, bad's yeah. gonna happen. It's time to go. This is not yeah, good. Yeah, like a like a party or like it's weird. What is people. that? It's just a bad. I don't know. I think I'm just very in touch with bad vibes. I mean, also I think as humans, the, the maybe more of a naturalistic possible explanation is that we are biologically designed to ward off tigers attacking us, and yeah. you know, like so you have a sense, a biological sense of is there a threat in this room, and maybe even below the surface, we're able to perceive that because right. of our uh, evolution as animals. Yeah, because back then, if you made a misstep, you would die. Right. Um, so now you got to figure out, not not only do I see a tiger, but do I sense a tiger out of sight? A tiger could be a you know maladjusted person with a gun walking into the room. 
Yeah, you know. So I don't. I've I've definitely had that a lot. Where I'm like, oh, I'm in. I'm in. I'm around bad people right now. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know. And like, like I, I think I don't know how. I'm not equating it well to like the whole heaven and hell thing. But I, I, I think may. I mean, if there is like an afterlife, I think it would be more like two kinds of different energies. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I just don't think it's like you're going to die and then it's like, oh, this is how it looked in the movie they, that I saw. You know what I mean? There could, you're saying there could be like one place with good energy, one place with bad energy? Or is that yeah. too simplistic? Something like that. I don't know. Huh. Well, I think that... Do you think that something happens when you die? I don't know. I really like... I think it's hard. I think odds are no. very, very much against it. I mean, you can't rule it out because it's unknowable, but I mean, dude. <laughs> I don't think my grandparents are chilling anywhere. They're gone. <laughs> I miss really? them dearly, I and them. I wish they weren't, but I think that they are. Yeah. I even though, like, it, so what do you think of the whole thing with, like, you know, seeing a sign every now and then? Like Ace of Base? What? <laughs> Sorry, yeah, stupid. like that. Like Ace of Base. Oh, I saw a sign. No, like a No, I don't believe sign. in signs at all. You don't? No. I don't believe in anything metaphysical. Or not metaphysical. You don't believe I don't believe in, in anything you've, you've that's not... You've never seen anything where you're like, oh, that's weird. Like, Sure, but I don't, I, I'm sure that there was some natural cause for it. I don't believe in astrology. I don't believe in. I don't believe in any religion, and I don't believe in astrology because it's to so me. Were you raised it's the anything? same boat. It's all the same boat. Were you raised any religion? Yeah, born again Christian, like intense born yeah. again Christian. So is that why you kind of have like rebelled against it? Yeah, when I was like thirteen, I just started thinking like, I don't know if I believe in this stuff, and what if I swear in my head? Well, like, well, bad things happen, and they didn't, and then I just started to step away from it slowly, and I just felt like. So were you forced to go to church like every Sunday and Wednesday? Yeah, Wednesday. Yeah, why Wednesday? Wednesday is like the fun night. It's like there's usually like a potluck, and it's more like youth oriented. Like Sunday, you have Sunday school that's broken down by ages, and then the service everybody goes to. But Wednesday night's more like, okay, it's casual. It's Wednesday. We're gonna have some, uh, maybe, yeah. Like how there long usually was a potluck? Uh, probably like eight, seven thirty to nine, or eight to nine thirty, something like that. And so then we had lock-ins really too. Religious? Yes. Wow. Still are. When did you stop? Like, did you stop going to church? When did you stop? Like, you don't go to church now. No, I don't. I I stopped going when the the minute they dropped me off at college in Macon, Georgia. I never really? went again. I went like once with did my they, like. Were they ever like, "Hey, did you go to church?" And I don't like no. I, think I they, go to church sometimes. You do? Yeah. What? Well, what? Why? I don't know. It just makes me. Feel, I think it's part of that spiritual energy. Like I think it gives me. It like fills me up a little bit with like positive energy. Like I don't know. Maybe yeah. it's like a mental thing. Like that. I don't know. I, I don't. I'm. I haven't been going since the pandemic a lot. I don't think I've been since the pandemic. Maybe like twice, but um, I don't know. Yeah, it's just like a. It seems like a positive thing to do. I don't know. It's yeah. partly guilt, maybe. Well, how were you raised? Well, my dad was Catholic, but he wasn't like he didn't push it on us. My mom was um went to a Presbyterian church. And she really like pushed us into going to church, like <clears throat> meaning she made us go to church, right? Like, did you every I, Sunday she like made us get up and go to church? Like it was so it made me not like church. Did you buy into the um, theology of the Presbyterian Church? I mean, could you not eat during the fucking recording? I'm just kidding. Sorry, is that bad? <laughs> no, I don't care. Um. Tom and I are now going to eat a giant meal. (laughs) Stay tuned. (laughs) Wait, what did you say? 
Sorry. I'm mean, kind of a funny of podcast. Yeah, and we just you, ate. You couldn't hear anything. <laughs> like, are these guys going to talk? They're wolfing down spaghetti. Oops, oops, <laughs> um, yeah. I, uh, I mean, I guess I bought into the whole, you know, yeah, the, uh, you know, the ethics of it and stuff like that. Yeah. You know. But did you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins? Well, you know, I was confirmed. That's like a Catholic thing, isn't it? Isn't it? All right. It what, what, Presbyterian, that's like Catholicism light, right? Or is that Well, Methodist? I did go to Catholic churches every night. Yeah, it's kind of like, I mean, Catholic, right? Catholicism is kind of like a really intense, crazy. My mom grew up Catholic. Her, my whole, her side of the family is all isn't Catholic. Isn't it sort of like the worst one? I mean, it's like the most intense of Christianity, I mean, right? Yeah. I mean, it's really. I guess. Isn't, and this not is like, the, well, it's not as intense as like charismatic, like speaking in tongues. But no, I know. But I mean, like, I feel like that's the one with the, the a lot of the uh, like Presbyterian felt a little more like chill. Yeah. You know, what I well, mean? There, there's a there's a dividing line between Catholicism and then the born again Christian denominations. Right. I don't really I'm not, a, I don't really know much about. I the, think Presbyterian the is is the closest. I guess I should be talking out of my ass here. But I think Presbyterian is the closest to Catholicism. But the, like born again Christians don't believe that uh, Mary was uh, holy. Or that she was um, a god, and Catholics place her almost oh, on the same level yeah. as Jesus. Like they seem to have their heads a little more. You know, <laughs> it's less QAnon-y. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Not that I'm, comp- but I don't know. Like, what's the difference between thinking Q is telling you to storm the Capitol as opposed to like? This guy you don't know that exists <laughs> telling you. you know what I mean, I'm not like well, but they don't pro- promulgate any positive messages or or QAnon. <laughs> no, the Catholics don't. Sorry, yes, QAnon doesn't promulgate any positive messages or principles. No, I I know, but yeah. you know, it's like but you're saying similar. What, I mean, it's a guy you don't know who, who it is or if he really exists telling you things. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, that is there's there is a parallel there. You're right. I mean, theirs is clearly, but why is theirs That's going to so really angry, anger Catholics. But why is that one so clearly crazy and the other one's not as crazy? I mean, I know that there, one is, is a lot more positive. Because I think there is historical evidence to support the existence of Jesus and a lot of those figures. Yeah, I guess that's true. I don't know enough about it. Right. Did you watch Religious, that uh, documentary? I did, yeah. And I feel like that kind of colored my view of religion a little bit badly. Yeah. I don't like I don't like being cynical like this. Like I don't think it's cynical. I think it's a realistic appraisal. Do you think other people just don't want to see it? Because when he broke it down in that movie, it does sound ridiculous. Yeah, the, the the myth of Jesus had been promulgated for like centuries before. But it's like the same exact story as like a bunch of other religions, right? Right. I think so. Yeah. Like the same day and the whole. I don't remember exactly, but yeah, there's there's so many parallels and so many like yeah. So. It just seems the, wor- the world has evolved over time, and then the, you know there used to be much far fewer people on the face of the earth, right? Yeah. So those people would share ideas with each other, and they would look up at the sky, and they didn't have books, so they didn't have electricity, and they would share myths, and the myths would get passed down, and then they would form religious uh, systems around these myths based on these stories that they told each other, and then that yeah. converted into modern day religion, right? Isn't that the basic? Yeah, and I it, clearly there's a human need for something like religion like it, because it's it yeah. kind of gives people a reason to live you know what i mean yeah i think there's a uh, brain research studies that have you, you can like point to specific regions of the brain that account for the formula the formation and continuation of religious beliefs 
I believe there's been research done on that. I feel like we're talking out of brass here, but we're kind of not. It, we're basing this in some some. Well, research, I mean, right? I it. it I Does anybody say, care what we think? I would say fascinating, <laughs> but it, you know, like I've watched a lot of things about like cults and like, you know, people do latch on to certain things for a reason it's not just because yeah. oh i'm so like people are searching for something beyond them like a reason beyond themselves yeah like that book man's search for meaning right like we want to have yeah. why are we here like it's a, it's a, the big three philosophy questions that i always go back to who are we why are we here what should we do and those I questions it, and i and when every now and then even lately i've been like why am i here like what i think the pandemic has maybe brought it more into focus for a lot of people because you, you know, if you're just kind of doing, you're stuck at home and you're doing the same thing. You're like, what? It, like, what's the point of this? Yeah, I think that's why I've had, I've always like been a little hesitant about like kids. Like, I like I wouldn't mind having a kid, but I think part of me is like, the world is such a screwed up place. Like, I it 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 almost seems a little like, you know. No, I don't know what the word is. Like selfish to, to make a like child go through. Someone into this and be like, "Good luck, buddy." Yeah. Like I wanted, I wanted another me. <laughs> oh, by the way, good luck. Everything sucks. You know, like yeah. Good know. luck with the ravaging effects of global warming long after I'm dead. Yeah, go figure out life. <laughs> I didn't figure it out. I didn't come close to it. You know, I don't know. Like it just seemed like I think. Yeah, I think it, I agree with you. I think if it's something that's meaningful to you to have children, then then that risk becomes worth it because of the value. But also, you're going to give that kid a good life if you're going to be a loving parent. Yeah, yeah. You know? I definitely and would do that. I wouldn't deprive <laughs> others of the opportunity to raise children if that's something that's important. No, no, I know, I know. I just like, uh, I remember thinking that really young. Like I saw a TV show and someone made a comment in the show like, I don't want to bring a kid into this world like because it was so bad. And I was like eight. And I remember being like, oh, like that like resonated. <laughs> you're like, shit, that well, resonated, I, I already like, got here. What? You're like, I already got here, fuck. Well, I think even that young, it like made me think like, oh, wait a minute, what? you know, because the whole thing was like, you're supposed to get older, have kids. Because I remember my mom, really young, would say like, yeah, when you're older, you're gonna have to raise a family, and da da And I was like, man. And then I was like, I got to an age, I was like, am I? <laughs> like, why? Why? Don't why have do I have to. to do that? Like, I'm, I have to raise a family. That's, um, you know, I I love that kind of inflection point for you when you were eight years old. I think that's interesting to be to be be presented with an uncommon idea that doesn't fit the the narrative that was you were surrounded by. I know, and I've thought about that's it useful. since then. Where I'm like, why did that? Like, I because I remember because I never heard anything like that. I was really young. I mean, it's weird. I mean, I was probably did it like make 10. you feel that life was less valuable? It made me feel like. That, that there was there was like an option it wasn't just like you have to have kids you get old like life is you have you grow up and you have kids with someone and that's it they gave you the idea that hey maybe it's not a good idea well, to like, have well, kids may, i don't know maybe always. maybe think like well maybe because i i think young i got self like not but i got self-absorbed like i was like i want to and i was like oh well, maybe like i should just worry about like what i want to do you know yeah and then i think a lot of people have kids and then they're like mad at the kids because like <laughs> kids are going to be annoying you know and like take up their time and then i think i think that happens a lot people like have kids and then they resent the kid and it's like they don't realize like what a burden it was going to be yeah or, like, and then also a, like not the, a burden but, but also like the kids like look it wasn't my fault. i didn't fucking i remember saying that young too being like look i didn't ask to be here like i said that young like that far side cartoon he's like i didn't ask to be drawn 
Oh no, no, I, I didn't know. That you know see, that's pretty no, funny. That's funny. <laughs> but no, I definitely would. You know, may, I mean, that probably wasn't the most original concept, but you know. I mean, I don't know that they liked that. Like, oh, really? Well, we're like raising you. <laughs> Is that what they said? No, but I mean, now I can look back as an adult and be like, if some kid said that to me, I'd probably be pissed. If someone I was paying for all the time. Yeah, right. Did your parents? Did you? Were you? Were you able to have open, honest discussions with your parents, questioning their belief system? Their belief system? You mean like? Yeah. Well, you your mom was Presbyterian, right? Dad was. What do you say? Catholic, but not practicing. Yeah, like, he would go to. Could church, you say, he "Hey, I don't know if I believe this," and they'd be like, "Oh, that, that's interesting, Tom. Let's talk it through." Or, or would they just like adamantly enforcing you adhering? That wasn't even like a, I never even thought of that. Like yeah, okay. not believing in it because um, it just yeah, that was your reality. No, it, it it wasn't like your family. Like they weren't like like I think it was more a thing of like you know you're supposed to go to church. I think that's how she was raised and like. You're, you know, you have to have your kids go to church, which I guess was good. Yeah. Even though I, I remember hating going to church. So it gave like a negative <clears throat> connotation to church, you know? Yeah. I don't know. I never what really did you hate? The sitting it. still and the formality? Yeah. Getting up early and. Yeah. yeah. That I mean, it's just not fun for like a kid, you know? No. Um, Sunday school could be fun, but that was about it. Yeah. I remember going to Sunday school was okay. I mean, it was probably better to like get you up and out of the house. Um, but yeah, no, I never really, I'm trying to think of like, I'm trying to think of the first time I, I kind of like questioned religion a little bit. Um, I don't know. It's interesting that, that you grew up, I know this is a, what, what do you call it? Like a, uh, generalization, but I grew up in, you know, we're from Ohio, but I grew up in Florida, like the Southern Baptist church was a big influence down there. Whereas you grew up, you were spending summers in the Hamptons and you're, you lived in Manhattan. Yeah. It's just interesting to me that you had. A s- somewhat of a similar level of religious influence on you, on you, even though you were in this, you know, heathen northern town, yeah. right? Quote well, unquote. my mom was from the south, so oh, okay, that was okay. probably part of it. Um, and your dad was from was New York. from New York, so I he definitely wasn't pushing it on. I don't think he gave a shit at all about us going to church. I'm sure he didn't, but she did. She, she we would go to church with her usually. Um, and then you know you just you get used to it as a kid. I, but I can't remember when I I do remember when I went to college. I didn't really go to church that much. Um, I'm surprised you went at all. Didn't you stop believing that shit when you were like? I think I did go to church in college. I didn't. It wasn't like I did. It wasn't that I believed it. I I never really. I don't know. I didn't. I I didn't really. I was confirmed, but you know that's for Catholics. You know, being being confirmed Catholic. Yeah. But. Uh, well, you know, another thing is like all the kids in my neighborhood that I grew up with, like who were Catholic, were all like the worst kids in town. <laughs> Bad Catholics. But isn't that kind of always how it is? Like the Catholic school kids are like the worst kids. I don't know. I, I got didn't really hang out with Catholic ch- school kids. I don't know. Well, I mean, I, I got confirmed in um, this church that had a school, and the, it was like Epiphany School, and it was like the worst kids in the neighborhood. <laughs> like what? Smoking, drinking, fighting. Just like yeah, fighting, mean, bully kids, you know, Jesus. just assholes. Um, so I always like kind of like associated that with Catholic Catholicism. You know, I feel like that church has a lot of, you know, bad you know strikes against it. Yeah, I don't know the priest thing. I mean, that was pretty bad. Didn't that hurt them? Yeah. Well, I th- also think um, outside of that, like from an outside, I wasn't I wasn't Catholic, but my mom's family was. I think that 
Catholicism tends to be more to me like Judaism where it's like this is a system of beliefs that we have. However, we're not going to be the like diehard adherents like a like a born again Christian or like a charismatic Christian would be. Like I think the born again Christian side of the world in my experience was much more you need to be a diehard adherent whereas Catholicism was more like yeah, you know, I get fucking get I get blown on Saturday night and then I go to church on Sunday morning like I mean yeah. I'm speaking in general terms, but I'm, that was my perception of it. Yeah. Is that accurate? You you were more involved in the Catholic world than I was. I mean, I I wasn't really. I would just th- that was in when I was in like uh, like fifth grade, and I remember it was a nightmare. Like the kids were really mean, and then um, I didn't. I just kind of wasn't really around. I didn't go to that school. Thank God, <laughs> no pun intended or whatever. Um, but. I just remember in the neighborhood, those were thought of like the worst kids, like those Catholic school kids. Like it was like the, we, the kids that didn't go there were like the nice, good kids. Right. Ironically. You know what I mean? Yeah. You think the religious kids as a whole, I mean, if it made sense, if, all, if the right. system has made sense, the religious kids would be the good kids, but that's not the case. Yeah. It never is that way, right? <laughs> Isn't it always like the, the minister and priest kids that are like the worst kids? Like they're always like. Oh yeah, everyone on the toilet. That dude, I I went to this Christian school. Not that this is so bad, but to me as a little young kid, it was bad. And there was this kid. What was his name? His name was Doc. His first name was Doc, and he was the son of the preacher. And we were on the playground once, and his mom came out, who's the preacher's wife, and he goes, "Hey, mom, uh, abolish it, like abolish it." And she, I just remember, I'll never forget. I looked at her, and she, I was like, "Oh my god," he said, "Shit," he said, "Shit," to the preacher's wife, "Oh my god, oh my god," and she just went, "Abolish it." She like mouthed it, like, "I get it," like, "Abolish it," and I was like, "Oh my god, this lady's so bad, this kid's so bad." But like, to me, that was like, "Oh my god, you're so bad." You said, "Abolish it," like instead of like like a ball of shit. Yeah, abolish. You it. said shit without saying shit because you're not yeah, allowed to no, swear. That's interesting. Yeah, but yeah, he was like, "This was last I think summer." He was, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he how like how old were you when that happened? Sixth grade. Oh, okay. In the seventh grade, and he was a know. Catholic kid. <laughs> Maybe fifth. Some young. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, no. It was like a born again Christian uh, church. Oh, okay. Like Christian and Missionary Alliance, I think was one of the denominations we went to as a kid. So was it really weird being raised that way? I mean, I didn't know any different. So no, not to me it wasn't. But at I did in high school start to think like oh the other kids get to do more stuff and they had like they could watch rated our movie like i got grounded for a day for watching little shop of horrors because it was pg-13 <laughs> what yeah are you serious dead serious how did they find out you did that i don't know i i went over to my friend jimmy pruitt's house and then i think I, maybe i was too young to not can you know conceal that from them or something and i had to like sit in my room all day because for it was pg little shop of horrors yes that yeah. was not a uh, a racy movie, <laughs> right? Because there was, there was some sex 30... to it, wasn't there? No. What's the plot? A little sh- the plant turns into. I mean, a, I guess it's me a Seymour. little like you know, you could say it's like evil. Yeah, it's about like a plant that is alive. It's right there, right there. It's like, what are we doing? Plants don't now. Uh, plants are alive. Was it an evil? Sp- <laughs> I think it starts <laughs> killing people. It's uh, yeah. They start. It, he starts feeding. Yeah, I mean, and it has the word horror yeah. in the title. Get to your room, Danny. Get to your room in the double wide trailer wow, on the property man. of a school in St. Petersburg, Florida. <laughs> I mean, so were you not seeing like these crazy horror movies when you were a kid? No, I don't. I've, I haven't watched any horror movies ever. Except I watched The Shining. I think it's maybe one of the few. Um, I don't like horror movies. That has nothing so, to do with religion. That's so funny because like I was seeing like the, the hardcore horror movies. Young. Dude, why would you want to watch that shit, especially as a kid? I mean, that wouldn't was that, the whole point. Wouldn't that give you a sense of terror going into the world? 
that something I mean, that, it that kind awful of can happen to a you. Lot of, like why I'm so scared of the world, but I don't know because I wasn't allowed to see it. I don't know. It's not the whole thing. The kids want to see those things. Yeah, yeah, I could see like want to go see like Goodfellas, but not like fucking. I was really into Nightmare seeing R on Elm Street. Well, you know what I really got into is um those te- those teen sex movies. <laughs> like I got Porkies. In- yeah, like I got into those young, like where I really wanted, like um. When I was like ten or eleven, like like Animal House. No, not An- Animal House was kind of before my time, but Animal House uh, is like yeah. a real movie. I mean, like um, the movies that were like Porky's, they were all just about like se- like seeing naked women. Yeah, but I remember like young. I mean, I know like they were Weird kind of science. No, I don't know. Yeah, but that's like a tame one. It's pretty sexual. That's like movie. a movie. That's like a good movie. Right. That is a crazy plot. I mean, that was like PG third. But I mean, they created a woman, right? Yeah, I mean, they literally were like, they can't get laid, so they make a woman so they can fuck her. I mean, and then what happens is they don't fuck her, but <laughs> that movie should just be them banging her the whole movie. <laughs> we made you. You're fucking not real. Well, was she a real hot. person? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, but I mean, that's the plot of the movie. It's like these two teenage boys make a woman to bang. Like, it's like, how is that like a... What, what happens? Is she not into them? You haven't seen it? They just blow it? I forget. I watched it once. It was so long ago. No, I mean, she, I don't know. She helps them out. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> oh, can I it's say, okay. hey, harking back to your earlier comment about um, you like to go to church sometimes, I just finished reading um, The Year of Magical Thinking by Joan Didion. Oh, yeah, yeah. She, uh, a year after her husband died, which was a couple days after Christmas, I think, she went on Christmas Day, she got up. She put the plates away from the Christmas Eve dinner that she hosted, and then she went to St. John the Divine Church, where the, I think it's on the Upper West Side. Yeah. And she, I don't think she's religious, but she walked in there. That's where her husband's ashes are interred, probably to this day, I'm sure to this day. Um, but she walked through there, and I thought that was interesting that she wanted to have this like sense of reverence on Christmas Day. She, I don't think she just went in to see her husband's ashes. I think she wanted to like be in that you know, sacred type of presence and aura on Christmas Day. Yeah, there is like an energy. That's why it's going energy. back to. There's like an energy, and I can feel it sometimes after I go to church. Like I felt, I feel like filled up a little bit. I don't know where I heard. heard I heard this years ago. Someone says there's like you have these different kind of compartments, like five different ones in your life, and like some of them get empty, and you have to fill refill them. Huh. And like spirituality is like kind of one of them, and like going to church can can do that. So, what are the what are the five elements? I don't know. You remember, I, I forgot with the like you know. Um, Wait, you know what? I want to. I have to. Uh, you have to pay and make a drink. Why don't we look that up while we pause? Pause for June. Well, we tried to look it up and we couldn't find it, so we're just continuing the podcast without providing you any further information because these are low quality podcasts you're listening to. <laughs> we looked for it for nine hours straight, <laughs> and we're back. Night. So yeah, but I know. What were, yeah, what were we talking about? Um, Basically, the five that. areas of your life that are important. That Basically, are I think it was like, yeah, they were like, you know, you, that, and that's why I kind of like will go to church because it's like if you're neglecting one, you know, part of your life that maybe feels like it's getting empty. Like I think that's where the whole empty feeling comes from, you know, like, I don't know that that is a big thing with humans, though. Like I said before, like they do need to find something bigger than themselves. That's why a lot of these people like join cults and. Stuff like that. It, I mean, the the whole idea of cults and getting mixed up, getting pulled into a cult is like fascinating to me. It is, yeah. Just like like the QAnon. I didn't really know what QAnon was behind it. it I didn't know it was. It's crazy. It's like insane. It's not a cult. It's just a conspiracy theory, right? Yeah, but I mean, it's or a, a cult. collection of conspiracy theories. 
It's a cult. Yeah. Like, I mean, no one's like, I mean, and the problem is like Trump was kind of like their unofficial leader of it. You know what I mean? Um, and that was the problem. It was kind of these crazy people who believed in this conspiracy thing and Trump was just kind of like aiding it and uh, capitalizing on it and exploiting it instead of being like, no, I'm not like they I don't want to get into the whole thing, but they think like part of it is they think like yesterday when Biden was uh, sworn in. They were all watching because they basically Q was like Q is the guy that tells them things. He was like, "Oh, Biden's not going to get sworn in. It's uh, the government's going to turn on the Democrats at the inauguration and kill them all in front of everyone." What? That was like they were waiting for that at noon. So then that it's like that shattered their belief in QAnon then. That's why it's like it, that's it. Hopefully, shattered those people's belief in it. Well, I mean, it's like it's like a doomsday I mean, cult when when God doesn't come back. Yeah, but it's like I think cognitive dissonance then comes in where they start moving the the target where they're like, oh well, no, no, well now it's that it's going to happen and there's some rationale why that didn't work. But I think some of them it woke up where it's like yeah. But I was looking at some like posts because people were posting about it and they were like. At 11.45 a.m., people were like, wait a minute, Like, is this going to happen? It's like, really? At 11.50, you still were on board? Yeah. (laughs) And part of it is they think JFK Jr. is alive. This is the part that I'm like, how can you be a part? Like, they think JFK Jr. is alive and and part of it and going one of the people to come back and take take vengeance on the Dems and Biden who are part of this cabal uh, pedophile ring who eat babies that's literally yeah. what they those people going into the capital that's what they think they were fighting against how the fuck would they think that jfk jr came back to life or they said he wasn't dead in the first place they say it was a conspiracy that he died but that right there how Why if w- you're not like totally insane how could you ever and so you're waiting you're waiting to think you think jfk jr is about to come and kill joe biden i mean really what and the fact that, like, at 11.55, you're like, wait a minute, I don't see JFK Jr. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> Is he p- coming down from the sky? Or, like, how's he getting there? Dude, that's just preposterous. So, I don't know. I'm just, like, fascinated that... It seems like a, it seems like a philosophy to that would be ascribed to by people lacking hope for their life. Yeah, but that's what I mean. It comes into the whole, like, if you have nothing, it's like you need something to, like fill that up yeah I mean, and I give think, you a sense of importance right i know this and you don't know it yeah and like meaning give meaning to your life you're like a part of something that's why like you know comedy and stuff like like comedy can be a really strong community that way right you know like absolutely it does give a lot of meaning to people well dude here's my here's my thing that i would say why comedy can't, is our cult yeah absolutely why can't we get to a point i'm just spitballing here why can't we get to a point as human beings where we recognize that these man-made myths that have developed over centuries are very likely to be untrue, and we don't need QAnon or Jesus or Buddha or Muhammad or any of it or astrology. All we need to do is like acknowledge the fact that we're mortal. We're flesh bags, like Joe Rogan says. We're going to be dead for eternity, which doesn't negate or decrease the value of our lives. I would argue it gives more meaning to our lives because these 80 years, whatever you get, that's all you got. So instead of being this nihilistic, uh, you know, there's no morality, there's no reason to live. I think it adds more value and it makes your life even more important and to like cherish and love each other and 
practice loving behavior towards each other because this is all we have. Why do we need these broader systems of thought to give us meaning? Why can't we create our own meaning and decide independently to be kind because it's the right thing to do? Yeah. Why can't we get to that point? That's never going to work. <laughs> Why? I think it is. I, I think know, it is working. On, I don't on know. A lot there's of just a lot of what? there's plenty of people that are like me that are agnostic. That's still. I'm a kind person. I don't do unethical things besides yeah. some cocaine use. I'm not a fucking yeah. piece of shit, and I don't believe in God. So why can't that be? And I think it is. I think you know most of American culture is secular, right? Most people. I don't. I don't know. Is there? I think. I think it's over fifty percent. I think it, do, it, it of adults I mean, it depends don't. where you are. I mean, I think it literally is like blue states and red states. Like I think, th- like I think the red states are the really religious. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, but I do think that that there's a there's more secular secularism within the Republican Party today than there was 30, 40 years ago. Yeah, right? I think that there. You know, I, I think that's kind of like I'm. I was always really into like Buddhism, you know, and, and like kind of the the Eastern religions because yeah. they weren't really religions where they were like. At least there's no God in that one. Well, yeah, it wasn't like do this and you're going to get this or, you know, because that's a lot of religions, you know, and I don't know. It's the same thing, you know, like, you know, kill these people and you'll go to heaven and, and bang virgins. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, yeah, do this and do that. But Buddhism was very like it was almost about like mindfulness and it was more like working on yourself. That's so I like great. The, I like that whole thing of like it came from the inside, you know, it wasn't like. Well, this guy's going to tell me this and I got to do this. And then because everyone's obsessed with like getting, you know, and I, I know with me, I've tried to get happiness from the outside, you know, most of my life. And it's never really given me happiness. So it's like I got more into like, you know, meditating and stuff like that. So like that I'm like kind of I'm I'm very into, you know, meditation and that whole um, I don't know, I don't, movement or whatever. You meditate? Um, yeah. How often do you meditate? I try to do it every day. Yeah, but I took like do? the transcendental meditation class, mm. which is supposed to be twice a day, and it's hard to do that. But you know, it's all you know. I'm very into like you know the you know mindfulness, basically not getting because I think the main problem people run into why they're so unhappy is they're they're lost in their mind, their heads, because you're you know you, in your head you constantly have like a lot of negative you know talk background noise that you're not even aware of so mindfulness you know is all about like you know relaxing and settling in and being still so you can become aware of those things so that you kind of hear what you're telling yourself all the time which are like negative things so when you're hearing negative things unconsciously that affects how you behave and like how happy you are so that's kind of the mindfulness part is I think and you know that you know the the people that I kind of listen to talk about it um that's what they say your most unhappiness is like you're lost in your your thoughts all the time so and that's helped you to be it has like I've become more remove conscious of like my thought like that they're yeah. they're bad and like not believing them being if I think something awful I'm not like I don't get that because, you know, that's a big thing, too. You you think something awful and you're like, well, that's true. That's the fact, you know. Oh, I, you know, oh, I'm uh, I suck, you know, and mm-hmm. then you start being like, I suck. But then when you stop and you're like, wait a minute, like, do I suck? <laughs> um, Dude, not that I practice uh, mindfulness. I, I probably should more. But like 
I did have something this week where like, you know, just working all day, but like in my apartment and, and I would sometimes I'll say things out loud to myself and be like, come on, Danny, what the fuck? Come on, get it going, pal. Like try to make sure I'm like staying focused on work. But I noticed that I, I felt like I was being too harsh on myself. I was like, I was like I, out loud to myself. I said, why are you doing that? Why are you being so mean to yourself? Like, stop doing that. And then I just stopped doing it and I felt better. Like I was just kind of attacking myself or berating myself unnecessarily to yeah. like to, uh, the ostensibly to increase my motivation, but it was actually just harmful self-talk. And I'm like, stop doing that, Danny. Yeah. And I think it helped me to say it out loud. And I think it's common. I think that was a big, pro- I think that was a big problem with not to bring it back with like the Trump era. Like, because society is just, I feel like, has become a lot more like mean, especially with like social media and the internet. It's just like the whole thing was to connect people, but it just made people. It just made it easier to be mean to people. Yeah, I heard there's been more reports of like uh, rude behavior on airplanes lately too. Oh well, you know, and that was the thing too. Like with the Trump era, it was like it made it like it was like uh, you know made it okay. Like it, there was like a go ahead to, to being mean, like. The guy who was like, you it was know, like the, the modus operandi of the most was powerful like, guy. Yeah, be, you know, he he was like the worst one in the world. He was the one. He was the worst one doing it. So then it kind of emboldened people to be like, yeah, fuck you. I don't fuck give a you. Sh-. So it was just sort of like, I don't know. You can't tell me that, that doesn't affect how people feel. You yeah, know, in the world, like or in the There's country. A national discourse that that impacts individuals. Well, when so, when the leader is is just telling everyone they're losers, I mean, it's like, I don't know, that's going to make you feel bad. Yeah. Like when he's just like you're a loser. It's just like, what? Like I, I you know, and literally he was only playing to like crazy people pretty much. I mean, those rallies were just those crazy people that went to the Capitol. So those are the only ones that he was like giving any attention to and I don't know. It just makes you feel like the 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 vibe around behind it was like um, the implication, or I don't know. It kind of implied like your life isn't worth anything. You know what I mean? And people are already out there. A lot of people feeling terrible about their lives. So it's like when you when you're starting to convince people their life isn't worth anything. I mean, it's just like I don't know. It's not really good. And then you're stuck at home thinking it all day. I mean, yeah. it's not going to go well. I know. I don't know. The fact that the president that was self-talk has no no like guardrails from other people. What? Yeah, and then you turn the TV on, the guy's yelling at it at everyone. You know what I mean? He's like yelling, "Fuck you!" And you know, I, I don't. I don't know the. Yeah, I think yeah, I could I, shoot people, and who care? It, I mean, that's insane that someone said I could shoot someone on the street. The president. Oh yeah, he could shoot somebody on Fifth Avenue and his followers. <laughs> I mean, that's and that was like his opener. <laughs> That wasn't like Opening. into the the thing. It was like the beginning of his campaign. That's true. So anyway, yeah, I, I don't know. So yeah, the I think it got worse with the the climate got way worse with him in office. It just every like every it be it became like okay to be mean. It, no one was like, hey, that's not you shouldn't do that. It was like, yeah, fuck you. I don't care. The president does it. Yeah, and we need like some decency. I'm not saying that like the Democrats have the answers, but either. Both whoever the leaders are moving forward, we need some kindness, a little more kindness and decency infused into both sides of the political aisle of all of our lives, you know? Like let's yeah. just be a little kinder. Yeah, and like I said, I think a lot of it comes down to like it's from the inside. You're you're usually I, I forgot I think Mark Marin says like, you know, you find out old as you get older, it's an inside job. It's not like happiness is an inside mm, job. It's not right. like 
I'm going to get this and I'm going to get this. And then I'm, and it's like, cause it's, you know, you, you see people have everything who kill themselves. Trump is like, has that had everything? He lo- Does he look happy? No. <laughs> like, he looks like the most miserable person in the fucking world. And that guy's supposed to have everything. Um, so this, this reminds me of, um, obviously I don't want to talk about Trump, which you keep going back to Jesus know, Christ. I'm, sorry. I'm just kidding. But this reminds me of uh, George Saunders. He, uh, I forget, I think he's a writer intellectual he read this he gave this speech to graduates and i've talked about this on my pod before but um he talks about how there was this great writer or something and he said at he was a poet at the, towards the end of his life he said i'm mostly kindness now because as he got older he realized more and more that what is truly important is just being kind to the people around you and he became kindness and so george saunders says his advice to these graduates is you know it takes some people their whole lives to get to that point. He goes, my advice to you is hurry up, like become kindness now. And how old was he when he had that realization? George, the, the George Saunders, the guy yeah. that gave the speech. Yeah. I don't know. Actually, probably in his fifties. Oh, okay. I'm not sure the answer to that, but he and was, then, he was a, you know, full grown adult when he figured that out. But yeah, yeah. But he's telling these like fresh graduates, like become kind in all of your interactions more and more every day do it now right and how did you i love that yeah yeah that's how i want to live my life moving forward because there's plenty of times when i am not kind just because i like to talk shit i know but then if i get like upset with somebody then i have the sharp edge and i'm not not being kind you know and there was another quote i read about the guy that somebody said that they look back in their life and the things that they regretted the most are the times when they weren't kind that's really what stuck with them, and I, I would like to have less and less of those moments to look back on. So, yeah. so that's that's my mantra for the next ten years of my life: is become more kind, Danny. It's gonna be hard for me because I like talking shit, but <laughs> I do want to do that. Yeah, no, it's you know, it's, uh, you're a, are you, do you think you're a kind person, Tom McCaffrey? I think I am inherently, even though I think people would think that's. I think people don't. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I definitely like aspire to that, and I. I feel like I definitely, I think younger, I was very, you know, I was like a very nice person. But then I think what happened to me was I. You got that LA showbiz in you. No, no, I got, um, like, you know, it's kind of getting burned young, where like, you know, I felt like I had to develop a, uh, like, a toughness because I, I found out, like, you couldn't really be really nice to people because I would be nice and then it would, like, blow up in my face. You know, and then it kind of like changed me a little. It, I definitely had like a rougher. I've gotten better now about it. How like would it I'd, blow up in your face? You know, just You'd like taking being advantage nice of? to some. Yeah, being taken advantage of or someone yeah. being really mean to you. And you, you know what I mean? Like, I just remember young, like discovering like, oh, people are really mean. You know, pe- like when people are really mean and stuff. Um, you, you took that as like a template for how most people are instead of like these particular individuals. Well, no, mean. I think I took it as a template of like, you can't just you know go around with your guards down you you'll be, be a pushover ready. yeah or you might get yeah like your ass kicked or something or you know people are and i think that's kind of where i developed the sense of humor thing like as a def- like it became like almost like a survival thing. like that became my like uh weapon back you know like oh cool i'll be like funny and also i think uh, my aloofness became that too like I, I instead huh. of be, instead of showing like that anything bothered me, I was like, I don't give a shit. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like on the surface, that was your way to 
put a shell around your yeah, emotional sensitive like core. I'm not going to let anyone sh- see that I I am upset about anything, you know. And then over time, did you come to realize like, hey, that's too far of an over- that's an overreaction no. in the other direction? <laughs> no, you're like, no, I, I prefer it that way. I prefer the I mean, shell. I think I got better. It definitely informed my. I think if you're a comedian, for the most part, you probably have that because. And then the thing about comedy is like, if you do comedy, you have to kind of. Ha- it gets worse because, you know, doing comedy is hard and people are yelling. You know, people are mean. You got it's a tough business, so you have to kind of like have that around. You know what I mean? I learned it in comedy too. Like I was like, oh shit, people are really mean in this. Um, and I got even more defensive, but. Uh, do you think I feel like most people in comedy are not mean? I, there's definitely some that are that stand out in my mind. I but, mean, like crowds and like uh, you think crowds are mean. Well, you know, you'll bomb. People yell at you and like. I don't get that. I don't bomb. I'm just kidding. People will yell at you. <laughs> yeah, you've never been heckled. Oh, actually, people really don't heckle me that much. Um, I don't think I've ever been heckled. Not honestly. to your face. Yeah, right. <laughs> they heckle on the way in the car. No, it's the way hard. Home. I mean, you know, crowds can be hard, and yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And then, like, you know, I'm talking more about like, you know, the the industry side of it can be yeah. very, very rough. You bust your ass, and then they're, like, they're just like, pass. you know, they can be really rude to you. And I remember, like, early on, I just club people were always really rude. I remember, like, I remember, like, doing clubs early on, and like every club booker or owner I met was like crazy. Like, did we do these insane? I was like, what? Like, um, like what? Like, you think of an I remember, like, I did this early on. I was living in LA. I'd been doing comedy like a year and a half, and I did this. I had to do this like bringer show, and like, which is it, when you get your friends to come support you to get for the yeah. It's basically, of- like, you get on because you bring like three people, yeah. and like, uh, the guy had been like. The guy whose show was, was was like, oh, yeah, I'll put you down for this date. I'll I'll follow up with you to like you know make sure that this is just the guy who booked it. He's like, but I'll like follow up. You know, this is kind of tentative. He had, you had brought people on that day, or no? He said no, no. I'd already done that. a show, and then okay. at that show, he's like, I'll book you for like three weeks from now. Sorry, I got it. I got but he's like, but it's tentative. Like I'll have to like you know I'll follow up with you to make sure it's going to happen. He never followed up with me, so. I I think I called the night before and I was like, yeah, I'm just, is that guy there? Like, I, I want to make sure the show's going out because he said he'd follow up with me and he didn't call me. And then they were like, oh, well, I'll, t- I'll take down your number. And and then the next day I got a call from the, the man, the owner and um, not the guy who'd booked me on the show, but the owner. And he was like, yeah, hey, it's just, t-. you know, he's just like, and I was like, yeah, yeah. I, he's like, yeah, so I heard you like called here? And I go, you know, and at first I thought this was just going to be a normal conversation. I was like, oh, yeah, I called because, you know, you know, Steve, I don't know, like he booked me and, and he said he was going to follow up, but he didn't follow up. So I wanted to make sure. He's like, well, I don't know what the problem is, buddy. Like, uh, so he starts yelling at me. <laughs> Why was he mad? I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Was he expecting you this to bring people I mean. and you didn't bring them? No, no. This is what I mean. Like, it made, it was literally insane. He was like, <laughs> well, I don't know why you're calling. I mean, he said you were on the show, right? And I go, yeah, he said he was going to follow up and he didn't follow. Well, I don't understand. You know, we're, we're like a pretty big club here. You know what? I, I guess he was insecure about his club or something. And he was like, I don't understand. Like, the, the, it doesn't make sense. But this was like a year into comedy. And I was like, what? And, um, so he basically just berated me for trying to f- make sure the show was happening. Um, 
and you know i was supposed to bring people and i remember i was like fuck this i'm not and i'm not bringing anyone to this piece of shit place and then i and i had nothing to do and i was like i'm just gonna go to the show and see if like i could just just get on without bringing people get away with it yeah and the guy just put me on like he didn't even like say it not the owner the other guy yeah and i was like oh i'm never bringing people again to anything um yeah you're like why was i yelled at but I've I mean, been yelled at unnecessarily in comedy too. It's like, wait, what? What? But it's always like doing that. I'm trying to tell it's jokes and like that. Chase like, a dream. Why are you yelling at me? <laughs> what? Because they're like mad themselves. Yeah, like that's they, true. And it's it's usually a manager, a booker is like someone who like. And I remember like I met this. There was a booker at the Improv at the same time in L.A. Was, yeah, in L.A. And like this is when I first started. I've been doing comedy like a year and a half, and like he was this you know actor guy, I guess, and. He he saw me do a spot and he was like, "Oh yeah, I want to book you on a show." You know, it was like hard to get up at the improv. And he like said he was going to book me, then he wouldn't book me, and then he was always like a. And then I would talk to him, and he always kind of acted like, um, he was just always like weird to me, like, like aloof. Not aloof, but I could tell he was like, "Yeah, look, I know you're like trying to get a spot for me." Like that was kind of the condescending. Attitude. Yeah, and um, and he. He just never would book me. He was just always like really shitty. And then I moved back to New York after like two years. And then like when I kind of done some stuff and I kind of like was around, you know, was around a while and like kind of had a decent rep. Like I had done TV and stuff like he all of a sudden showed up here at like a club as a booker. And I was like, oh, this fucking guy again. He was like a lot nicer this time. You know what I mean? But. It was just one of those things, like, why are you such a dick? It's like, I was a new comedian. Like, you saw me do well. Like, just give me a spot. It's a fucking, just give me a spot at the improv. Like, what's the big deal? Right. Um, they have That's their, like, one source of power in their lives, and they like to lord it over I people. know, and then later I found out I think he wanted to be a comedian, but, like, he, thwarted, a lot of that. Thwarted dreams. But it's like... People in power with thwarted dreams are to be avoided at all costs. I know, but it's like, I'm sorry you didn't make it, but like now I have to not make it? Right. You're like, well, I'm probably better, so I don't know what to tell no, you. I know. It's like, well... And that probably bothers s- him, too, that, you, go, that you're better. Yeah, go do something else then. I don't know. Yeah. Like, why are you mad at me? It's not my fault. Like, I'm actually trying to do the thing, so... I just feel, and I, I feel like I ran into that my whole career. And I think because I came off aloof and I, I didn't really, I wasn't great at kissing ass. So I think a lot of people were like, like anything I got in comedy, I totally got on my merits. It was never like. You're not like a, the natural schmoozer. Yeah. Like I was always the guy. They're like, we have to give it to you. <laughs> <laughs> we have no choice. Well, I mean, I finally started doing Even things. Even though we don't want to. What? Well, no, but I started like doing things. It was like, oh, yeah, you're good. You know, it wasn't like, oh, you know this guy. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think I ever got anything from knowing anyone ever. I almost think that like hurt me at times knowing someone. But, um, hmm. but yeah, so I don't know. I just remember early on, it was like, I feel like everyone I came up against was like, there was so much pushback, like unnecessarily, where it was just like, like that guy I told you about, the 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 guy who booked the improv. I was like, what? Just what? The, like looking back on it now, I'm like, what's your fucking problem, dude? Like when you're talking about be kind, it's like, you know, it's we're all like having a, it's it's tough, you know, like just, I like I wasn't some total like loser, you know what I mean? I was like around there and like you know he'd see me do well. It was like. It's hard to be kind when people are not being kind to you, right? Yeah. I, how, I, how do you be kind I, to I just someone? I feel like who's comedy was, was full of stuff like that. Just on every, at every turn, there was like 
no, get out of here. You suck. You know, like that kind of shit. And like I would run into Booker. Like I'm trying to think of another Booker that I ran into like that who just yeah, like yelled at. That that was the craziest one. The guy from the and it was like early on. Um, that the guy yelled at. Like when you, it was so funny, you're like, "Why was he mad?" I still to this day don't. I mean, it doesn't Not make sure. any sense. I can't. Believe, I can't remember another one. Oh, there was another guy who was a man. This is turning into like a, just. He was a manager of a comedy club or Booker here years ago, and he was just like, he saw me do well, like a lot, and I had done stuff, and just was always shitty to me. Like he just would never give me spots. And then one day, I remember, like a year later, he like called me and put me on some conan showcase i don't know why what, yeah i was gonna say what, what changed maybe he I heard good know. things about you from other comics but he had like seen me like you know what i mean he, he just it, it was like he would i would do that club that he booked but it was very like it was like pulling teeth every time i did it you know what i mean um like reluctantly giving you a spot. Yeah, and then like there were other times I had like I, I knew managers at clubs or bookers and they would like who knew me and thought I was funny and they would barely give me spots and I was just like you know, just what, what you know, I, I never was one of those like I'm like, look, you know me, here's my availability. Like just I, if you're not gonna book me, just fucking get out of my life. <laughs> right, 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 right. You know, but I, just I, don't talk to me at parties then if you want to fucking you know what I mean? Like, right. But just to play devil's advocate for a second, like, could part of that be that they are just bombarded with so many good comics because it's New York that they can't give even one spot to all the good comics? No, no, you're right. But I mean, I would see a lot of the same comedians at like. Yeah, they have their favorites. Yeah, but it was one of every those club things is a private business. There was just no reason for me to not. Be, it wasn't like, oh, we can't have him. He's gonna ruin it. Right. I guess I wasn't. I guess I wasn't like kissing their ass enough or something well dude that's one of the down not the, that's one of the problems or challenges of the comedy club scene is that there's limited number of clubs the bookers are individuals with preferences and friends yeah. and you can't change their formula for how they do it and it's right. just like even if you're funny and even if you're gregarious and sociable and nice doesn't mean you're gonna get spots no i know and, th and then but it was there was a time where i was um I mean, w when I was like thriving, it was mainly in the alt scene. I feel like they were the most open to me. Yeah, more than club. I felt like when I was trying to do like comedy early on, it was like the clubs were very closed off, more than they are now. But and so I kind of like fell into the alt scene because it was start. It was just forming, and like they were more like it wasn't like a fully formed scene yet. It was like they were just kind of into funny into being funny are you talking about like the brooklyn alt scene and like the creek in the cave no no it was before that it was uh, like like rafifi and like uh, yeah, uh, early like ucb when ucb became big upright citizens brigade yeah and like you know it was about 2004 or 5 and uh rafifi kind of became like the hub of it and I got it, you know. I got in it because I I started meeting people at these like more like friend shows, and they liked me because they were like, oh, he's funny. You know, it wasn't like run by you were judging your marriage. It wasn't like a guy, a manager guy who was mad because like you know I called him. <laughs> right, right. Well, there's so, probably also less less um, 
of a business pressure, right? If it's yeah. just, oh, we just use this bar one, every Thursday night from 8 to 11. Yeah, but then that became like the scene. You right. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And it was funny because like all so many people were spending years like, I got to get in the clubs. I got in the, get in the clubs. And I finally got to a point where I was like, fuck these clubs. I was like, if I never get in these fucking clubs, like they can blow me. I don't give a shit. And then what happened is... You got to go where people want you. Years later, yeah, years later, all the people who were trying to get into the club started being like, "Hey, can can I get on that show?" Like the alt, like that became the, the ma- place. yeah, the power dynamic shifted a little yeah, bit. Yeah, right? it was like a little teeter totter, but it made sense because it was like, I'm one of those like I never like being places when like when people like whenever I go to clubs and they didn't want me there, I was like, well, I don't want to be here if you guys don't want me here. Like if you guys hate me that much, like yeah. this sucks. So I'll go to a show where they do want me, um, right? Well, that's why it's uh, I think it was Dave Chappelle that says like, find your lane and then take it as far as it will go. Yeah, right. So you can't force Caroline's or X Club to give you, you know, spots four nights a week. You just have to like keep working over and over every night until you find an, a, enough places to get up and enough friends and yeah. advocates to propel your career to at least be able to perform every night in New York, which is no small feat. Even just performing at bar shows or and or comedy clubs seven nights a week in New York is tough to pull off, even if you've been doing it for a long time. Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, I've been doing it for 11 years, and I mean, I think in the past, before the pandemic hit, I was probably, you know, four to six nights a week being booked, maybe sometimes three to four nights a week, but, like, that took a long fucking time to get to. I think in my, like, you know, prime of when I was really in the thick of it, I was probably, you know, like, I'd probably do, like, five spots a week on average, when I was like really doing it a lot. Yeah. And it'd be like good shit. Like most of them would be good. I mean, I would do like bad shit, but like there was definitely a time where it was like, oh yeah, he's like, I would get booked a lot. But, uh, and I would do clubs here and there, but not like a lot. Like I still did that. It was always like someone would be like, oh, I'm doing a show at a club. I think there was one club that I was like kind of past at. But I think it was what I was talking to you about. Like there was, there was another one I was sort of past at too. There were probably like two. Um, but again, it was like, there was one club I finally was like getting booked at a lot. And then like, it was funny because I'd kind of been going through like a slow period. And then I started doing that and everyone showed up again, you know, Mm -hmm. like, you know, people like, Hey, you want to do this? Oh, you want, Oh, can I, can I do that? Can you get me in there? You know, it's just all all these people. I'm like, where's the symbiotic relationship a year ago? Like, you know, but it was, it was interesting because like, I, all the things that I, all the, when I would do, be doing like decently in comedy and getting booked a lot, it always happened organically just because people liked me. It didn't happen from me being like calling people and being like, hey, please put me on. It was like, it always yep. happened where they'd be like, hey, man, I really want you to perform here. Yeah. I mean, I think that's one of the lessons of for me in stand up over time. It's like, you can't force the thing that you want to happen to happen. All you can control is the level of effort that you put out. And the relationships that you build, and over time, hopefully, good things will happen. But you can't yeah. force it to happen; it just has to happen over time. It's very like that's a big. It's kind of very zen, yeah. It actually, it's I, it's something I really learned like in the last couple of years of like, um, just things, just accepting the world for what it is, and that things accepting that things are not going to be easy in the world. Like I think people have an entitlement of like. Well, things should just be easy. Like, my life should just go the way I want it. It's a very young thing. Like, that's how I thought young. And that's how people, I think, think of, like, show. But it's like, but if I just work hard and I do this, then I'll get it. It's like, no, it's really, a lot of things are not up to you, dude. Like, there's a lot out of your hands. They're really, you know what I mean? It's like, yep. 
And I feel like a lot of people don't realize that. And you just kind of have to accept, like, instead of just being angry at the world and, you know, just being like, well, I mean, I don't know. That just didn't happen the way I wanted it to happen, you know? Right. And instead of, like, stewing and developing this bitter uh, external locus of control mindset where, oh, the world yeah. doesn't give me what I deserve, you have to say, oh, what can I control? I can write jokes. I can yeah. at least go open mics. I can... Uh, hang, go to other shows and support my friends on their shows and be kind and friendly to people there. And over time, things are going to get better. I can smoke weed in my apartment. Well, That's no, it's, yeah, it's like um, the only thing I can control is my reaction to it. And your, my yep. reaction being like, fuck you, is not going to make me feel better, you know? Yeah, exactly. And, and it's not going to be a, like, it's not going to help you get anywhere. No one's going to be like, hey, look, no. this guy's mad. Right. <laughs> And this guy's mad all the time. Let's let's get him he in seems here. Seems cool. <laughs> let's let's have him around more. Let's, yeah, let's be let's have him in the club more. He's always angry and he, he looks seems crazy. Great. Yeah, the, I, I've said that before on on, on the pod. Is that um, the, there's comics that uh, I mean, obviously stand up comedy is a tough business. Arguably one of the toughest business businesses around. And some comics don't get what they want and then they become bitter and jaded and they let it bleed into who they are as a person and then it becomes well, readily apparent to the fucking audience yeah and the audience reads it and the audience shuts down on them and they're like oh i fucking bombed and i'm having a bad set it's like yeah but the audience read your bitterness yeah and i think you know it's interesting i was like i i looked up the it's interesting you know there's there's famous comedians and even not that famous who like kill themselves and it's usually in their 40s and I think what it is is like they get caught up in that. They get like, and it's usually people have had like some decent success, and then it kind of like go, it kind of goes away, and it's not what it was. Yeah. And then they they're so caught up in it that there's like a bitterness or like depression that happens, and I think that's what triggers them. Not a good word to use to like kill themselves. Yeah. And I think it's like. They di- if they they didn't have that attitude of, well, I can't really control this. Maybe this is like not what it was. Maybe it's just not going well at this point. But if you haven't like been able to, if you haven't addressed that already, it's once it starts happening older, it's like a lot harder to like start addressing it. I feel like I mm-hmm. went through it in my early forties, where I had to like face what was going on and i couldn't be like oh no i'm just gonna now i'm just gonna be mad all the time yeah that your life wasn't what you expected it to be it wasn't going how i wanted it to go yeah so but instead of being like i'm mad you know i'm gonna just yell at you (laughs) i kind of was like well i better like figure something out here because it's like you know (laughs) it's either (laughs) just keep going like this and be upset or and it gets really bad or take some you know and i had that thing like what can i control in my life so i did and it helped a lot because you know i got i was able to let go of like my expectations of things you know because that's the death of it is like those people storming the capitol that's their attitude like joe biden can't be president yeah he can't be Right. I, because I don't want it. I want to control the thing I can't control. Right. Thus, I'm going to get violent. Because that's what they're saying. They were literally like, he can't be. He can't. He won't. And it's like, okay, well, wh- so what's the plan? Kill Nancy Pelosi? That's the plan. <laughs> like, Didn't work. So. Well, it's what you're saying also uh, dovetails neatly with uh, a lot of sociological 
research or articles that I've seen where human satisfaction, life satisfaction tends to be at its lowest point in uh, people's 40s. And then it goes, it usually dips to its lowest point, I think for men and women, um, somewhere in the 40s. And then from like 50 on, it goes up and it's usually at its like highest. And then this gets bad. Then when it hits like 80, it goes way low again because your fucking life sucks because you're about to die. My grandparents had that that experience. My my grandma looked at me one time in the kitchen. She had this like eye condition or something and it clouded over her eye. And she just looked at me and she she was kind of cynical, but she would just be like, Danny, she's like this. It's awful. She's like, this is awful. Awesome. She, she, <laughs> but like the, when you're <laughs> wow. when you're approaching death and you're an elderly person and you're you know your body is falling apart that you're not going to be at your fucking peak happiness so like get through the mid 40s if you can enjoy 50 to 75 and then do what i'm going to do drive <laughs> fly to switzerland get a corvette convertible drive off a cliff to your favorite song yeah good thanks good for listening that. guys no that's true yeah there, there is a it, it is interesting that it happens to a lot of comedians in their 40s yeah but and I, just people too just yeah the broader yeah. population as well right but no I, I yeah I, yeah i knew a girl who killed herself and it was that was a real but she was pretty young i don't know it's just like a lot yeah but i i think i i do i go back to the whole thing of like mindfulness i think you get so lost in your mind and your thoughts that you just can't take it and you know it's that that's what's scary is like you can't escape what's inside you you know what i mean yeah so it's like if you've got how how do you get away from that when your mind is attacking you but that's what the whole thing is about is like becoming aware of it i don't know right and like obviously there are you know we're speaking as laymen here and there are people that have um mental health issues that go beyond self-coaching so obviously the parameters of what we're talking about are limited to not that level of yeah, severity. Yeah. But if you're not at that level of severity, what I, and you're looking for a better way to live, then yeah, some of these mindfulness practices and and self coaching can be really useful. Yeah, I mean, I I think it's it, that's definitely true. But I do think it it can happen to a lot of people who don't even have like extreme mental health issues. Like yeah, it can spiral. I do, right. I think that's right. a big thing with the, you when you have depression. It's easy to get in these like depression spirals that you can't get. And some people are more prone to it. But it's kind of like there's ways to like stop. Th- I mean, it's it's hard, but you know. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's partly why I stopped drinking actually. Cause you know, it just, were you, were you finding yourself getting depressed after? Yeah, it just made it hard. I was just getting more depressed. It, it made me more prone to depression. So, yeah. and I was drunk, so it was harder for me to like be mindful, you know, cause I was drunk. <laughs> I mean, right. I wasn't like a terrible drunk or anything. I didn't have like an insane. No, you were pretty bad. I'm kidding. What? Yeah. No, I, I, yeah. I mean, no, I mean. Also, it started affecting. I would like, I'd get really drunk really fast. Yeah, I started getting really drunk fast. Um, older, I don't know why. You I mean, kind of know why, but not as many drinks before you were just like out of control or like slurring. Well, I mean, like I, th- I would get to, I would get real. I'd get to a point where I was really drunk, and b- before that, like I wasn't. I would, I could drink for a while and not get like over there was i got to a point where there was like a cliff i would go over where it was like done you know i never really yeah. had that before i think it was just me getting older i know yeah i think your body becomes less able to tolerate all the booze yeah so i i and i wasn't like i'm done i just kind of started and then you know i kind of got kept going and yeah so should probably stop though should we wrap it up tommy john let's wrap it up uh what are your handles kid 
Social media handles. Uh, just at Tom McCaffrey on Twitter and then at Tom McCaffrey 722. Nice. And the Instagram. podcast, Last Exit to Brooklyn. Yeah. My this podcast is, is the Danny Palmer show. Yeah, we're, we're, it's like a simulcast. Yeah, we're cross-promoting. We're releasing this on mine and yours. Um, my handle is at Danny Palmer MIC, the Danny Palmer show on Instagram. Follow us both. Fucking hang out with us if you're a hot chick and you come to New York. Let's hang out. We'll grab a drink. When, when it gets warmer and, and things are open again, and, and let's have a nice fucking 2021, kid. Yeah, all right, kid. All right, kid. Thanks for listening, you fucking jeans. Yeah. Ooh. Can we end with sex sounds? You don't, you don't like that. Yeah, I'm good. You're, you're good on the sex sounds? All Is right, that fine. a Beach Boys album? Ah, uh, pet sounds. Jen. <laughs>